So, good morning everyone. First day of session, settling in. Uh, as a first Dharma talk, I'd like to take the third line of our practice principles, life as it is, the only teacher, and expand on it as a theme. But to begin with, it's amusing to reflect sometimes on our thinking as we sit in session and this morning some of the thoughts that I was amused about as I was sitting, as I was listening to the bird song um, far off and there was uh, the crawl, crawl, crawl of the, of the crows and then the warbling of the magpies and as I was listening to it in the distance I could see my mind going um, those crows, you know, it's really boring, you know, <laughs> crawl, 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 you know, crawl, crawl, crawl. And the magpies, you know, they warble it, they're like, they're like flute players, do you know, they warble and they make this beautiful music. It's like not enough flutes and too much percussion, do you know, <laughs> going on. And um, why can't we hear a little bit more of the, of the magpies this morning? And also, they're so far in the distance too, you can hardly hear them, you know. I mean, why can't they sing up here, you know, where we can hear them a bit more? So all this kind of commentary goes on, like we're never satisfied. It's a little prima donna inside going, you know, I, I had this idea that Session was listening to the birds and, you know, it's, you know, it's not the way I expected it to be. It's like a, someone, a sniffy opera, going, opera person going to the opera house and saying, well, you can't hear the violins very well from these seats, can you, you know? And the acoustics aren't, aren't that good. It's like there's this little whining child inside, you know, that, that complains about the mildest kind of things because life isn't giving it exactly what it wants. Or on the other hand, it becomes a demanding martinet, you know, demanding that things be different from what they are. They didn't get the right herbal teas for session. You know, someone must go out and get the right herbal teas. There's always something to be irritated about or to whine about, you know. And to go back to my um, to Joko's metaphor about the the fresh water coming in and the fresh water going out, that's just all stale water. All the complaining's just stale water. The demanding is stale water. And then they're just mild things, you know, like the sound of the birds not being quite right. Um, but when we bring that to, the, to the, the major issues in our life, what we consider to be the major issues in our life, when we get Ill- illness and we expect good health, you know, or a loved one is going to die, mm-hmm. or we lose our job, and we experience financial stress or we're humiliated Mm -hmm. and and we have loss of reputation. They're some of the big things that human beings deal with. We can't even deal with the magpies. How are we going to deal with the big things when they come? Mm -hmm. And it's incorrect, I'll go into this a little bit further later on, but it's incorrect to think that session is kind of a preparation for the big things in life that will happen. Yes, it will be. Um, 
but it's, a, it's not a rehearsal for something in the future. Session is about now. Session is about what is life giving you now mm-hmm. and turning up to that. Um, it's like good music practice. If you don't think of it as practice, you think of it like you, you're playing in front of an audience and this is it, then, then that's your experience. It's not a rehearsal for something later on. Although doing session will adapt you for those more difficult challenges when they come. Um, in, uh, if you go back to the roots of Western culture, of Greek civilization and Roman civilization, there were two somewhat opposing philosophies about how to lead the good life. And one was Stoicism and the other one was Epicureanism. Now, Stoicism has got similarities to Zen practice in that um, it was accepting the moment as it is, um, grasping the nettle, you know, being willing to accept pain when it comes or pleasure when it comes, but particularly focusing on, on not having aversion but grasping the nettle and cultivating resilience. While um, Epicureanism, it's not actually hedonism. It's not saying, you know, just go out and party and get drunk and have wild orgies. It's actually Epicureanism is similar to what we would consider today to be uh, a connoisseur of something, like a connoisseur of the arts and so on. So it wasn't kind of an overindulgence, but what it was saying is that the good life is about maximising pleasure and reducing pain. Mm-hmm. So they're somewhat, they come up, somewhat meet in the middle there somewhere because um, Epicureans were saying if you overindulge with pleasure, um, then you experience pain. So they both were, um, they were uh, putting forward a, 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 a view of moderation in what we do. And when you consider the life of the Buddha, um, the Buddha started off as an ascetic, so he was very stoic to begin with. And he went to an extreme with stoicism, just had to endure the pain, you know, don't eat too much, just sit, 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 sit. And, um, and then he exhausted himself and he couldn't go on, he went to such an extreme. And then as the story goes, he accepts milk from a milkmaid, right? and enjoys the pleasure of restoring nutrition to his body, enjoying the beautiful milk. And then he comes to some place of moderation in his life, which is more, um, more reasonable. Right? So the symbolism in accepting the milk, not only did he enjoy this delicious milk, um, he also accepts it from a woman, a young woman, and he also accepts it from a young woman of a low caste, which in his day, you know, was sort of prohibitory. So he breaks all the rules and becomes a slight Epicurean for a while, okay? Gets some sense of moderation going in there. Now, in Buddhism, I haven't spoken about this for some time, but um, there, in Buddhism uh, there was developed in Sri Lanka many, many years ago, about 2,000 years ago, 
a system of Buddhist character analysis which bears a similarity to um, Stoicism and Epicureanism. And uh, the teacher who devised this, he devised it based on um, the, the three principles of greed, hatred and ignorance. And he said there were monks who were kind of like the aversion or hate type and there were monks who were kind of like the, the grasping or greed-like and they're kind of like the Stoics and the Epicureans. And then there was the poor old ignorant types who were so confused they didn't know what they wanted. Uh-huh. And they were the Epicureans or, or Stoics or somehow, somehow muddled up the two of them together and were confused. Um, but uh, you see those, those same themes going through. And the, um, the Stoic monks, do you know, or the, the hate um, monks, were, all human beings are, um, are driven by grasping and aversion, but you can have a leaning to one, one side or the other. So the, the Stoics would be the kind of monks who would say, well, we'll go in and, yeah, I'll, I'll go in and clean the shit off the toilets because someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. And the Epicureans would be the kind of monks who do the flower arrangement on the altars, do you know, and love to see the aesthetic beauty of it and it's a pleasure that could be, could be um, shared with everyone. And someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. And so you can have those, those, those two opposites working even in a sangha, do you know. What's really important is that we don't make an identity out of it. You know, you can make an identity out of being a stoic, oh, I can just endure pain and, you know, that's what everyone should do. Everyone should sit harder, you know. Um, or you can be, you can just identify with an, being an Epicurean, you know, and you avoid the pain in session and you avoid the pain in your life. You just want to maximise the pleasure all the time. Mm-hmm. But the Buddha, as our role model, demonstrated the middle way, you know, but having said that, um, I mean, I would identify, if I'm going to identify it, I'd, I'd identify with being a Stoic. Um, and you probably couldn't spend most of your adult life doing Zen practice and session without being a bit of a Stoic. Uh-huh. And as well as that, as you know, I'm, I'm a, I do solo sailing. You know, if you do solo sailing, you get some kind of kick out of, in, you know, out of enduring cold wind and buffeting seas and the fear of falling overboard and drowning, you know, and you go through all of that. And, and so that's very stoic. And then at the end of the day you come into a safe harbour and, you, and you're at an anchorage and, and then you um, enjoy having a beer in the sun on the deck, right, and you become an Epicurean for a few moments mm-hmm. in your life, right, and then you go off and be a stoic again. Um, but some people become alive through that experience and some people become alive through more Epicurean ways of being in the world. The thing to consider in all of this as well um, is the importance of not just seeing life or seeing a Zen life as just a, a kind of enduring acceptance of what is um, because it's always wise and sensible to change things when you can change things. 
And there can be a tendency for some, some Zen practitioners to just get caught in this sort of extreme stoicism of you just got to accept everything as it is. Some things you can change. I know that for some of us, you know, as we're getting um, older in life in this sangha, have had pacemakers, right, to have a better ticker, you know, and endure, endure our life, in, in, um, um, enhance our life a lot more. And um, if that's what you can do with modern technology, go for it. Right? Later on this year, I'm going to take advantage of that modern technology and get a, a hearing aid, right, so I can hear better. If you can do these things, you can do it. But it's the manner in which you do it as well. If you're desperately, anxiously driven, you know, towards prolonging your life or improving your hearing, and you've desperately got to do it, and then you're grasping after the results, you know, you're attached to the results, then that's obviously not a Zen way of dealing with change and going about it. But if you weigh it all, you know, and, and it can be done, um, and, and you're not grasping after a result and you accept the outcome, well then change can be part of that Zen life as well. Not just enduring for the sake of enduring. <clears throat> So to come back to our third practice principle, life as it is, the only teacher. Um, like I said before, session is not a rehearsal for the big issues that happen in life. And that word practice that we use so much, um, you could easily interpret that as rehearsal for something bigger to come that you prepared for, um, but it would be a mistake to interpret it in that way. Practice is always about turning up to this moment as, a live, as it is, being alive to this moment as it is. And so when it's painful, it's just painful. And when it's pleasurable, we should just really enjoy that pleasure 100%. It's turning up to what is. But if you're skewed, skewed towards identifying as a Stoic, or you're skewed towards identifying as an Epicurean, then your life won't be lived to the full. It'll be half-lived. Just reflecting on my psychology practice last week, um, I had two different cases. One, a couple where the man in relationship has a terminal illness and uh, they're coming in as a couple in terms of the impact on the relationship. And the second one was a man who came in by himself whose wife has just been diagnosed with a terminal illness and needing someone to talk to about that and how to, how to support himself and his partner through that. They're, they're big issues, and um, and it's an honour to be able to in, engage with people um, when they go through those processes. And it's not easy, and the difficulties the carer has is that they want to care and they want to make life as comfortable as they can for their partner, and 
they also experience compassion and fatigue at the same time. And on the other side, the person who is dying, and by the way, these two people probably will not see out the year before they die. The person who is dying, they want to be loving, they want to make the most of their life, they want to have you know, a really intimate, close, loving relationship with their partner for the brief time they have left. And yet they're dealing with tremendous pain a lot of the time and they have to just withdraw at times to deal with their pain. So it's all of that to struggle with, you know, and then, and then the misunderstandings and everything that come out. But you can see in both cases um, that knowing that death is on the horizon um, really wakes people up, you know, and it wakes them up to really want to be alive to the present moment as much as they can. So our practice, when we say that life as it is the only teacher, well, you could look at that in many different ways. It's not necessarily entirely saying life as it is the only teacher in in the sense that um, we're living life, we're doing Zen practice to learn a moral lesson that really the deeper teaching is life as it is the only teacher is is just this and be completely alive to just this. There's no other lesson outside of that that's important. Just be alive to what is. And if we live our lives alive to just what is, then it's like having eaten a really satisfying meal. You're content, you know, there's no more hunger. And then, and then you can die. You can have a really contented meal and then you fall off to sleep. It's like that. But where people, I think, have difficulty with dying is that it's only a life half-lived. It's a life half-lived clinging to pleasure and avoiding pain. It's a life half-lived enduring pain and not really tasting pleasure or the pleasant. And our practice is to embrace the whole lot of it. Mm -hmm. Having neither aversion to one or clinging to the other. And for those of us who may lean towards Stoicism in the group and those who may lean to Epicureanism, well, we're teachers to one another. Um, The Stoics say to the Epicureans, harden up. And the Epicureans say to the Stoics, lighten up. You need both. 